Talking Landscape Photography with Kristen Fletcher and Carwin. It is Like Minded with myself, Carwin, and uh, Mr. Cristiano Fletcher. Fletch, welcome to the program. Hey, Carwinos. Carwinos, Carwin. What's been happening? Uh, mate, I'm just looking at my window. The sun is shining. The sky is blue. Awesome. There's, there's no COVID anywhere to be seen, although there, there are people standing around milling. There's mm. three people together at the moment. Your fan they club. Were, they yeah. were standing near a rubbish bin, so that makes Oh, me... so it's Peter Eastway and friends. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Well, hang on. One of them's wearing a skirt. Yeah, Still Peter Eastway, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, mate, we're doing okay over here in, in the West, um, virus-wise, but I know they're still doing it tough in, um, you know, over East um, <clears throat> with uh, lockdowns and all that sort of stuff. So, mate, Tony said a couple of weeks ago what we should do is just randomly call a photographer and just see what they're doing right now in lockdown and actually um i thought that was a really good idea so i put a thing on our instagram a couple of weeks ago um and if you don't follow our, our instagram get onto it right now just do a search for like-minded podcast and just put it out there and said look are there any photographers out there that you know wouldn't mind a random call from from fletch and me to see what you're up to and we we just got no response mate uh, really no one <laughs> Not not one person. <laughs> no, well, Peter Lick, but we're not that desperate for content. Oh are we? yeah, no, forget him. But um, no. mate, so what I thought we'd do, if this is okay with you, Fletch, is mate, we've got an extensive contact list here on Skype. Like we've got some of the best photographers in the world. What I thought I'd do is just shut my eyes, right? Scroll yep. through and just put my my finger up. Yeah, exactly, and just stop. Yeah. What, what yeah. You, and we'll just we'll try and call that person. What do you reckon? Well, yeah, that's good, mate. But you know that we're supposed to be speaking to Adam Williams. Oh, are we? Oh, we? We'll give him a call too. What do you reckon? Oh, okay. Well, why not? Well, okay. Let's just try it. Let's see what happens. Okay. All right. Now, you've just... Fletch, you can see me. I've got my eyes closed. Yes. All right. Yep. Scrolling through. hope I get Mika Boynton. Uh, stop. Because I always call her Maiki. She she loves that. She just calls me yeah. Kelvin. Uh, here we go. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Totally randomized. Boom. Scott Lego. Should we give him a try? Call him. And I'll, I'll, I'll try and call Adam at the same time. How do we do this? Do you just go add to group or? Uh, no, we haven't created a group. Uh, just just click on video call. It may, it may cut me off, but okay. I don't know. Well, if it well, happens. Let's see. It's cut you off. Hey. Uh, hey. Fletch, that didn't. That didn't hey, work. Uh, hey, there he is. Hang on. We're calling Scott Lego. Hey, uh, We've got Adam Williams. Mate, I can't. On, what's I can't figure hey. this out. Hey, um, can you try because we selected Scott, um, Scott Lego? Can you try from your end, Fletch, and try and call him because I, I stuffed it up. Yeah, hang on, it's happening. Adam, hey. how you going, mate? Hey. How are you? Good How are you? <laughs> we're, we're just, hey, we just um, we are live. We are live. We've we've, we've had a bit of a um, uh, not a stuff up, but a bit of an idea. Oh, it's a stuff and, up. Yeah, is it? Oh, hang on, Scotty. There he hey, is. how are you? Hey, look, we got all the legends in the one room. Oh wow! Hey. Cool. <laughs> yeah, Adam and Scott, do you know each other? Haven't met. Have we, uh, Scott? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we met. Um, I don't know if we met an AR where I was judging at ARPP a couple of years ago or, or not. Maybe. But uh, either way, nice to meet you. If we have, yeah, you yeah, too. Yeah. I definitely know Scott's work very, very well. Obviously. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, we, we thought we'd, um, you know, we'd we'd mix it up a little bit today. And and um, look, Scott, sorry, mate, but this is you've had your podcast. This isn't about you today. This is just a. <laughs> This is a. Um, this is all about Adam. But you know, you, you know, if you've got, um, you know, we we like to hear what's going on over in Canberra as well. But um, mm. 
you know, if you've got any, any questions to, for Adam, just, you know, sing out, you know, put your hand up and uh, we can, we can um, but, you know, this is Adam's show today, but can I we just ask, we'd give you a call. <laughs> can I just ask Scott a question though? Because this is all about, yeah. you know, we, we randomly called Scott to try and, you know, find out what he's doing in lockdown. So, mate, what, what are you doing there? Uh, well, you can see I'm sitting in my gallery, which is currently closed, um, which makes it hard to, uh, you know, um, hard to work. But uh, we're selling jigsaw puzzles. Nice. Um, so uh, that was our little uh, pivot. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're probably looking at, uh, to be honest, we're probably looking at reopening uh, next week. Um, bit of a kind of soft uh, soft opening. Everyone's kind of back out and about uh, in Canberra and we've oh, had – uh, uh, no real community transmission here, so um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we've gone hard uh, online and uh, oh, double there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would rephrase that. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> better than going uh, soft online. That's probably come out. Uh, that's probably come out so well. Um, no, so we've yeah, obviously with people not being able to come to the gallery, we've tried to. Oh, hang on, it's just getting worse. Come on, <laughs> Adam. Adam, where 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 are you, mate? Where are you at the moment, Adam? Mate, I live in the beautiful Crescent Head, mid-north coast of New South Wales. So if you don't know where that is, halfway between Sydney and Brisbane, essentially, mm. a little iconic surf town, surf yeah. lifestyle town, really. Yeah. yeah, A lot like Dunsborough, in fact. If, if we had a Dunsborough in New South Wales, it would probably be Crescent Head, yeah. Mm. And you've, yeah, got that, yeah. Uh, you've got that Crescent Head there, but you don't have Sugarloaf Rock, obviously. We don't know, and I, you know, I've been down Dunsborough Way a few times, and it is an absolutely spectacular seascape location. But mm. Crescent Head would be, you know, would it be in the top five of my seascape locations in the country? Mm-hmm. Um, Duns- Dunsborough and that area, and Margaret River is probably, you know, one or two. Mm. Um, I love the Albany area down south of WA as Great well southern. around those areas. Yep. Of course, uh, Port, Ke- Port Kembler is, is on that list as well. Port Kembler. Okay, yeah. not yeah, okay. I don't know that area all that well myself. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Crescent Head for me, it's got spectacular cliffs and uh, big sea rocks and mm. um, big swells and yeah, it's got a lot of good stuff worth photographing. Mate, what do you what do you New South Wales have gone particularly hard on this? What what are you doing in lockdown? Mate, I, I've been crazy busy, like more busy than ever before. I had this silly idea in about day one or two of lockdown that I was going to do a live YouTube show every single morning at 10 a.m. for roughly an hour. Mm. And you know what? That, it's, it's, it sounded like a great idea at the time, and it has been really, really a, a, a great exercise. But mm. the hour that I go to air is the easy part, but then I get a flood of emails and questions and this and that and all this other stuff. So it's turned into my full-time job, plus I'm doing what I normally do anyway with my mm. online education and, and mm. bits of other things. So... Mm. That's been keeping me hectically busy, and the time has just flown on by. We're six weeks in or something like that where mm. I am here, and it's just flashed by. So that's been great to keep myself busy. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Scotty? You've been, yeah. you've been as busy as well, mate? Mm. Yeah, ironically, uh, yeah, we've been busier than ever. So we had to let staff go with closing the gallery, but, um, mm. yeah, my wife and I have probably never been working harder, to tell you the truth. So, yeah, we've, um, like I said, we're focused – on driving people uh, to buy online and that's gone really really well so we've mm. i've never had so much traffic and orders and, and all sorts of things online um mm. so yeah we've been... it is it's weird isn't it because when you guys both said that it's like well my wife and i have been flat out as well we've never worked harder mate i think part of that is trying to make our website better 
and 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 really start to think about your online presence more because normally we just rely on the gallery and it's like oh well the the online stuff is just a bonus you know if we get some but but yeah it's been really quite a strange period um and it makes you reassess things and like oh, okay well all right well maybe this online thing is there is something more to it you know and because we kind of like the idea of getting out of bed later and and then you know doing your work from home sitting on the couch or in front of the tv drinking during the day it, yeah <laughs> uh, i tell you what, i had this bottle of scotch that my father-in-law left at the house it's a pretty cheap shit bottle um grants i think it was called anyway i kind of had it hidden in the pantry but that's gone down so quick and then I thought, evaporation. I've got a 16-year-old boy. and it's I climate change. He, he made a comment on it. He said, Dad, how come that's gone down so much? And I'm thinking <laughs> the little bugger's been taking shots. Or it's either him or my daughter been drinking yeah. my cheap cheap shit scotch. But anyway, that's, you know, that's, 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 that's to answer your question about drinking. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. But look, hey, look, we're here. Um, we're here with Adam. Adam, I, I see you're sitting in. Is mm. that your office where you're sitting? Yeah, well, it is. I've got a little studio in the double garage where mm. I live here at Crescent Head. Um, I just knocked up some. I used to be a builder back in the day, a carpenter builder. Mm-hmm. So I've knocked up some stud walls, put some sound insulation blank, blankets around, and and then uh, because I'm doing the YouTube thing, I, these are just cardboard boxes painted with rust paint. Oh, really? Uh, so awesome. on a budget, mate. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that looks that looks like some crazy. Um... What do you call it? It's like slate, like a slate wall or something. Yeah, that's really. It's got, a, it's got a nice natural look to it. It's actually when I when I use that paint, I mean nothing to do with photography, but a bit artistic. It's it's like literally iron filings, you know, suspended in some sort of a glue, yeah. and then they react with another some yeah. sort of acid or something, and they just go really natural. It turned out really really well for old cardboard boxes from when mm. I bought my computer and the monitor and this and that for the studio. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> mate. Take. Got to, got to say, love your shirt. Did you borrow that off Ken Duncan? Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a bit of a standard joke, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah I, I love a bit of colour, and Ken loves a bit of colour. If it was Ken, he's a bit pink and purple and all fluoro, bit bit brighter than mine, I think. But um, yeah, he's a good a... man. In fact, speaking of Ken Duncan, probably the reason why I picked up a camera in the first place. Mm. Absolutely inspired by his incredible panoramics. Is that right? So, so you got into panos, or you know? Well, I guess a lot like a lot of people picked up a camera first of all for a bit of outdoor exercise and and a hobby, something healthy to do. And then as I started getting into that, I got um, I was a big fan of Ken Duncan's work, so I initially started to idolise Ken and follow that style. So I was producing panoramic style photos with. You know, we're, you know, big wide photos, big vistas, strong contrast, strong colour, trying to get that sort of style. And look, as I said, I was a builder back in the day and uh, like I hated building from day one. Mm. Mm. Give you a little touch of a backstory, actually. I was a builder from, from school age for 17 years and, um, and I started getting a lot of anxiety and that started to lead to depression. And in mm. hindsight, I can remember now having anxiety back as, a, as young as, you know, maybe eight or nine or ten. Mm. But because I was doing something that I didn't like doing, and a lot of people will probably resonate with that, you know, forcing myself to earn the money, to pay the mortgage, pay the bills, have the nice car, have all those lifestyle elements. Yeah, of course, yeah. I was kind of, <clears throat> kind of trapped into building. And then photography came along, and, and it was just my escape from the stress mm. and my passion and then I started doing the local markets, selling a few prints at the local markets, and I started getting this crazy idea, or maybe I can maybe I can sell prints for a living instead of doing this crazy building stuff. 
One thing led to another. My wife and I decided to quit our jobs and sell our house, get rid of the mortgage. With the money we, we raised through selling all of our possessions, we bought a four-wheel drive and a caravan. Yeah, bought, bought a four-wheel drive and a caravan. Sold everything that we owned and went traveling around Australia for two years. This was about 10 years ago. We spent, we spent two years on the road chasing my dream of being a professional photographer. I thought, to be honest, I thought I was pretty red hot back then. I thought I was a great photographer. Sold a few prints at the markets. Did okay in a couple of photo competitions. Um, I remember coming, I think, ninth in an international photo comp, and there was Peter Lick sitting above me in eighth. And I thought, well, <laughs> Peter Lick's you making mil millions of dollars a year, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think I'm only one notch behind, so I just got to get into this, and I'll mm -hmm. be making millions of dollars as well. Mm -hmm. Christian will probably tell you that's, that's not as easy as that. And I started mm -hmm. off around Australia. Now I'd quit my job, sold my house, and I was spending all my savings rapidly and no income was coming in from photography. I wasn't selling any prints whatsoever. Mm. So I quickly changed tack and said, right. In fact, I entered another photo competition, completely bombed out. And I, I changed tack and I thought, well, I'm not as good as I thought I was. So this professional photography thing, maybe not for me just yet. So I spent the next two years just studying photography mm. for two straight years to build my level up to a level where I could become professional, maybe in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was some, a couple of really incredible, I guess, insights throughout that journey that really formed me as a photographer. And one was I got round to Perth 12 months into the trip. I've been traveling 12 months, doing everything I love, taking photos, hiking, exploring, you know, the big Australian adventure, which is a dream of many people. I was doing that. I get to Perth and I'm the most depressed I'd been in my life. Yeah. And I thought, well, what's going on here? <clears throat> and I saw, I saw some doctors and, and, and changed my lifestyle a little bit and really got a hold of that. And right at that point, I took this one shot of Perth boat shed, you know, the iconic boat shed on the Swan River. Mm. I took this one photo of that boat shed. A lot of people know that one. Drive past it every day. Yeah, there you go. Every photographer that goes to Perth goes down the boat shed. It's, it's kind of like, you know, the right of photographers to go down and get that shot. And I went down there. I was inspired by a good mate of mine now, Luke Austin's work, to go down and get that shot. And I came home and I processed it up and I processed this real dark, gloomy mm. I took it in the pouring rain so you couldn't see any other detail except the boat shed and it turned out really dark gloomy with this lonely blue boat shed in the middle and what it turned out was it was the very first time it was the very first time that I'd ever created an image that had come like deep from in my heart deep from in my soul mm. and that was to begin a really incredible journey I went from just quickly wrapping this up, I went from Perth, came back to Sydney, had to go back in the building game, rent a new house, buy all the stuff back that I'd sold on eBay. Turns out, you know, that life got busy. I had to put the camera down trying to, you know, get my feet again back in mm. Sydney. And for that next six months, I didn't take any photos, but I asked myself nearly every day when I was in traffic on the way to work, kind of hating my life. Mm. Um, what do I want my photos to look like? And mm. more importantly, and I think this is the most important question I could, I've ever asked myself mm. as an artist, what do I want my photos to say or what do I have to say through my photography? And it dawned on me that I, the most influential emotion in my life right at that moment or throughout my 30 odd years at that point mm. was anxiety and depression. So I started producing dark, 
gloomy, lonely style images that were for nobody else but for me. But the funny thing was, the first couple of images I produced, the Perth Boat Shed got me my first ever International Gold Award. Wow. Never been recognised before. There's another one that a lot of people sort of say is my signature image, which is a photo of Camel Rock. It's a rock formation much like Sugarloaf Rock, in mm. fact. And it's really dark and gloomy, and it won several golds, and it was part of the portfolio that had me awarded AIPP Emerging Professional Photographer in 2014, 15-ish. I can't remember exactly. Yep. I so remember that night I was there for the awards. Absolutely. So I'm up there a nervous, you know, I wasn't a kid, but a nervous, you know, newbie photographer accepting this award. And it just dawned on me that, hang on a minute, these are images that I produced directly from my heart that were now resonating mm. with my idols within the photography world and many mm. other people as well. Mm. I just finally found my path as a photographer. And that pathway was to just produce work that was as authentically me as it possibly could be. And it's as simple as that. And I guess that's... <coughs> What I try and do today, Adam. You, you're part of the um, the Light Collective boys, um, and uh, we know of uh, you know Rick DeCuno, and he quite openly has spoken about his uh, struggles with anxiety and uh, depression. Um, so I guess that's that's the link in there. But have you found? Fa- I mean, uh, two questions: how, how did you find yourself in the Light Collective? And secondly, does your photography help with these? Um, you know, I guess you know anxiety issues. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just I'll just touch on Ricardo because the reason I kind of found this artistic avenue, I suppose, is is much to the influence of Ricardo de Kerner, and he's always very adamant about you know sharing work that is authentically himself, and he encourages me to do the same thing in his own uh, subtle way. So he's been probably the biggest artistic influence in my photographic journey mm. so a big shout out to rick de Kerner there if you're listening mate and he, he will be supportive of everything that we do how did i find myself it was probably ignacio palacios gave me a um a message or a call on uh it was not long after i'd won the emerging photographer of the year or no actually it was a bit later i just won new south wales photographer of the year the year after and he said, mate, I'm thinking about doing this thing a bit like ND5, which is Christian's group. Um, ND5 were a huge influence. And Iggy said, I'm thinking about putting something together like that, really to inspire us all to be push our creative boundaries and be better photographers. Mm. So that was how we got into that. Mm. And the second question, which was, does my photography help mm. Abs- my uh, mental state? Absolutely, it does on mm. on two main levels. The one level that helped initially was obviously getting outside. Mm. You know, getting outside, fresh air, exercise, getting in nature, recharging. I tend to recharge. Seascape, the ocean and the waves tend to give me a really big lift and a recharge. So that's my natural go-to place if I'm feeling particularly down. Mm. Um, and I'll, often I'll take the camera with me there as well. The second point is talking about anxiety and depression and mental health um, for anyone is difficult. And you might argue that it, that it tends to be more difficult for your big, strong, tough males, I suppose. Um, not that I'm a big, strong, tough male by any means, that's for sure. Senti- it's a sensitive little weak one, maybe. But, um, <laughs> but that makes me a good artist and I understand that really, really well. But for me, 
initially I never spoke to anyone about anxiety and depression, as you might imagine, but through starting to create these dark, gloomy, lonely images, that started to lift the weight off my shoulders. And then people would obviously ask me, you know, why, what, what's with these dark images? And I could slowly start to tell people because I didn't have to bring up the conversation. The, the key conversation started with my images all by themselves. So, you know, that helps talk about it, number one, and to get out in the, um, in the environment absolutely helps my mental state. Mm. Yeah. It's funny because, like, I've met you quite a few times and you always come across as confident, um, happy, go lucky. You know, you, you just don't seem to be someone that would suffer from anxiety or depression. I mean, you, you, yeah. you're quite measured. Like, you know, when I came over for the those Focus Awards and you were the, the compare or the, the MC for the night, I thought you were amazing on, um, uh, uh, you know, on stage there asking the questions and there didn't seem to be any because I, I did notice that you're on your website you said that public speaking was one of your, your greatest mm. fears. But um, so how did you overcome, mm. how, how do you put on this front? Because I know people that have depression, uh, it's, it's hard to understand if you don't have it, it's hard to understand exactly yeah. how mm. debilitating it can be. I suffer yeah. from... I've always suffered from anxiety myself, but not so much depression. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I and, and like you, I, I, I was working in the government as a clerk, you know, pushing a pen, and I hated that. And I, I would go to work every day, and I would be so, so miserable about being there, and I would be anxious about being in that space, and that's why I got out of it. So it's a sort of similar story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so how you know, how do you how do how do you be so, you know, how do you overcome this and and, and and give this this sort of view of, of yourself as a confident um, person, mm. but then have these things. You know, how do you, how do you work on that? How do you? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's um, it's a work in progress. I mean, these days when I'm more confident in public speaking and whatnot, um, it helps to. For me, it helps to you know be honest and upfront and just get it out there, and then it's done and it really settles me down. So sometimes, just for me, for just putting it out there and talking about it, that helps. But back in the day, yeah, absolutely. I remember being the um, the best man at my brother's wedding and absolutely just freaking out for months about how's this going to go. And then, but you know, with becoming a photographer, and I, I pretty early on just figured out that selling prints was probably not going to pay the bills for me. And look, it can. I needed to continually work on it, but I sort of fell into education. And through going into education, it, it was sort of necessary that I went to camera clubs and started talking and, and that kind of thing. So I remember, I can still remember, I don't remember all my camera club visits because I've done hundreds of them, but I remember the first one and I had no idea what I was doing. I prepared a presentation and it, was, it, was hot. it wasn't very good, to be honest. I didn't really know what I was talking about photographically. I had no public speaking experience. I was absolutely panicked with anxiety, but you just you just do it you know you just do it and look i suppose anxiety teaches you that you can function when you're in a semi-panicked mode you know most of most of my day-to-day existence when it comes to going down the shops or going to a party i get social anxiety so i know that it's just a part of living for me and i just got to keep plowing through Mm. um it it can it can get it can get debilitate debilitating like yeah. panic attack level, but that rarely, I can feel it coming and it rarely happens. Like I've probably been in a panic attack state only three or four times in my life and thankfully it's never been in a, 
you know, a public speaking environment. I've been close where I feel yeah. it coming on, but then I, you settle into it mm. and away you go yeah. and the nerves settle down. But Yeah, I, I always try to go for a couple of jokes. That's, uh, yeah. that's If I can get, a, if I can get a, a laugh out of the crowd, then, then, I, I, then I'm much happier. But you're right. And, and look, I think the, the key with public speaking is know your subject. And yeah. once, once you know what you do, and you're talking about yourself. It's so so easy. You know, I've done a couple of talks where I've had to talk about other things other than myself. You know, so it's not about me anymore. It's like, oh shit, what do I talk about now? Oh, this is hard. So, but yeah, you know your subject and that. Um, Scott, have you done much public speaking? Yeah, look, I've, I have. Uh, I've been I've been lucky in that sense. You know, being a uh, Air Force officer, I had to kind of you know from a pretty early stage get in front of uh, people and talk so um, it's something I do a little bit of uh, you know even even now uh, in that sense so talking about you know photography and business most of my kind of public speaking is probably a bit more focused on the business side of the house rather than so much of the Mm. photography uh, side of the house probably because I feel like I've got more to contribute on that side of the house versus um, the the photography uh, side of the house but um, yeah, look, I think it's a skill that uh, is hard um, for some people to, to pick up. And I there's one thing that I always remember. I was taught this in. I did a public speaking course back in year seven, and um, <laughs> the guy was yeah. like this, you know, top business leader or what have you. And he said, if ever you get nervous or you're worried about, you know, the level of the audience, and he was just like, just picture everyone in the front row naked or what have you. And the funny thing about it, it kind of sounds funny, but the beauty about this is it's a great leveler in terms of realizing that you know even if it's the prime minister that you're having to talk to or, or speak to that at the end of the day you know if you picture them naked you realize everyone has to go to the toilet every day I'd, and I'd you know, rather... do all those things and you realize that we're all just essentially the same and it kind of takes away that kind of you know level of um mystique or fear or whatever you, you may have about a person so um yeah picturing everyone in the audience naked is a great way just to kind of bring it all down and just make you realize that you yeah. know you're on a nice even level keel <laughs> Yeah, see, I have a bit of a problem with that because the last talk I did, Ken Duncan was in the front row. So. Well, that's the problem, right? So then all of a sudden, you know, instead, of, uh, instead of seeing him as this great messiah, you're suddenly like... He's uh, not the messiah. He's a naughty boy. He's just an a overweight, naked that's man. That's exactly right, you know. So uh, suddenly you're just like... Okay, yeah. right. I don't need to be uh, need to worry about uh, this at all. Christian, so, do you ever yeah, get yeah. nervous I, talking to me, Christian? Like, do you ever sorry? do you ever get nervous talking to me? Like, do you imagine me in the nude mate, at all, mate? Can't, no, can't. <laughs> so you're like, be honest. You're like talking to a, a care bear, you know, this cuddly sort of soft sort of guy with the golden tonsils. That's you know, that's you, mate. You're you're easy. Oh, I can it. tell. I can tell you stop anything, it. mate. I can tell you anything. Hey, um, Adam, yes, um, your work. It's it's so diverse. So I mean, you've got um, your images from your different series. If you go through your photographs on your website, you've got these different series. Um, the, the my shadow images are so different to the dust of dreams images. So, are you conscious uh, that you want your work to have this diversity? Because it's your your initial images that you started with are, are, are one thing, but then you've got all these other different styles. Mm. Are you consciously trying to produce different style of work or no um no and in fact i'm very conscious of that currently i I, I was going to go and delete half my work from my website the other day in fact because i feel like i feel like there's a like the work on there is a, a reasonably reasonably high quality but there's a lot of stuff that doesn't represent me authentically 
there's a lot of stuff that doesn't represent me authentically on there. And it, it's from back in the day when I was in trying to impress other people on social media and Instagram with these, you know, big, bold, beautiful, contrasty, saturated images. So there's some work from back there. The most recent work um, is starting to be more authentic. So I just want to go back and maybe clear out the stuff, clear out the stuff there that doesn't represent me. The My Shadow series is the most special series to me personally. Um, it's a series I feel like I had to wait 15 years to be gifted the opportunity to create, and it's the most authentic body of work that I've created to date. Mm. Um, I've been trying really hard to ignore uh, external influences um, in creating that. So many people have emailed me and said, a lot of people have said it's, they love it, but a lot of people have said, like, give it up. That's horrible. Go back to what you used to do. <laughs> Good enough. And, and I, I mean, I can understand that from a certain perspective because it is different. It is dark. It's blurry. There's no resolution. Just to give the uh, audience some idea of, of what I'm talking about, you've got these square formatted, very dark towards black images mm. that then come in from a dark edge into a little bit of a dim light in the middle if you like and then every single image has a lonely soul black shadowy figure in the middle maybe mm. you know on a pathway or on a on a jetty leading somewhere or sort of contemplating life or with a head bowed down so they're very dark, deep images. Sorry, guys, can I just uh, interrupt? Sorry, uh, mate, we'll get back to you in one sec. I've just got a message here from uh, Scott on Instagram because he doesn't want to say anything. Guys, um, you are really shit. I have to go. I've got to make, go make a sandwich. <laughs> no, he's actually is saying... Right, he's... <laughs> no, that's not quite true. I've got... Well, uh, it's actually, actually, it is I'm, actually true, but yeah. No, I'm actually... Uh, I'm in the gallery and I've got a client who's uh, due here kind of uh, any moment that... Uh, so I need. I will need to um, head off and um, see them uh, very yeah. soon. So um, we'll... if, I, if I duck out uh, when they turn up, that's uh, that's why. Yeah, cool, mate. Well, look, um, it's, it's been great having you on anyway as a, as a guest to the guest. Yes, I mean, yeah. you know, we're going to do this a bit more. I think going forward, we're going to just... Photo bomb, well, yeah, Skype bomb, Skype bomb uh, our guests with other guests. So yeah, that's right. Well, I think it's interesting, right? It's interesting times. It calls for you know different and new, uh, different and new approaches, right? In terms yeah, and of, uh, how we do right. everything. That's right. You guys know each other now as well, and even though you're only states yeah. apart, you're, you know you're basically brothers now. That's exactly right. You're probably in the same age rough. bracket as well. You young bucks, you're probably in your forties <laughs> still, aren't you? Yeah, uh, but I am in my forties, so uh, yeah. Yeah, jeez. Babies, yeah, <laughs> like Carmen. He's in his, he's in his mid sixties now, aren't you, Carmen? Yeah, that's anyway. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to Adam's answer. It was, it was I was just uh, getting into that. Okay, yeah, mate. Yeah. So painting. Thanks, Scott. Of... Cheers, mate. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Scott. So, yeah, duck out. You know, good on you, champ. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, yeah so right. I was uh, I painted that picture. There was a previous body of work, and I, I touched on that previous body before, which included the boat shed and the camel rock image. That ended up becoming a, a body of work called even in the darkest days mm -hmm. and for that body of work even in the darkest days was kind of a visual representation if you like of what anxiety and depression would feel like or does feel like for me so they were dark gloomy kind of isolated for this particular body of work for my shadow series as i said very blurry very dark it's supposed to be a emotional representation so that Anyone that's never had anxiety or depression might get a little understanding of what that state feels like. And anyone that has had anxiety or depression might feel a little bit of comfort from knowing that someone else understands what they've been through. So 
as I said, I waited 15 years for this series to come. I had to be confident enough as an artist to, to ignore the people that said it was rubbish. Mm. It might be rubbish. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. It's for me. And uh, embrace that. And I had to also be somewhat strong enough emotionally to go back and create this dark body of work without getting stuck in that state, I suppose, as well. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, Adam, how do you um how do you kind of balance that? You know, because I think a lot of people, particularly early on, kind of struggle with the doing work for themselves and doing what they want to shoot versus you know taking the kind of influence and recommendations from you know often the cheap seats. How do you kind of balance those two pressures? Yeah, I'm in a really really lucky situation. Artistically, I allow myself to do whatever I like because I have no pressure on selling my art. Um, so I don't, I don't need that. Currently, I work professionally as a photography slash Photoshop educator. Mm. So that completely frees me up artistically to do this niche work that maybe only appeals to 1% of the population, but I can do it really, really authentically and create that, you know, based from my own vision and my own emotional state without having to worry about, you know, is anyone going to buy this work? Do I need to do something to it to you know, open up the market a bit more. All those questions are not even things that I need to concern myself about or if anyone's going to like it on Instagram, I, I really couldn't give two hoots. So um, I'm really lucky in that scenario that I've got another income that can support me as an artist, which also yeah. kind of meshes nicely together. Yeah, that's why we all need uh, benefactors, don't we? So we can just <laughs> pump, out, pump out our own shit that, um, that no one else likes but we love. And um, and we still make money. And I think that's what Carmen does. Isn't that right, Carmen? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, Andrew Forrest <laughs> just writes me a check every week. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, so tell us, you know, a little bit more about uh, you know, the Lie Collective. Obviously, we we've we've been slowly getting through the boys. Uh, we've got to get on to Ignacio next. Is is oh. Luke Austin, is, is is Luke Austin? Um, is he still part of the tribe, or is he is he still yeah. there? Yeah, he's still. I mean, he's um, he's finding life really, really busy. He's, he's mm. got a you know he's the new Perth. family. He's in Perth. He's, he's in Perth. Perth. Yep. Yeah, he's a Perth boy. Um, Good on him. New family, new little bubba. I think his little baby's mm. about one year old, or maybe eighteen months now. Time flies by. Mm. You know, mm. he's building, renovating his own house, and he's got a lot of different things going on with his own building business as well. Uh, Luke's yep. a builder as well. Right. So he hasn't been hugely involved, um, and this latest project which is going to, so just a little bit of backstory there. We're on our third project. The first project we did at Lake Air, uh, Caddy Thunder. And that project was, look, to be honest, we didn't really know who we were as a group, you know, and, and that was 10 years ago almost. And we didn't really understand to the same degree as who we were as artists at that point either, I don't think. We've all grown a lot in those last five, six, seven, eight years, however long it's been. So that was a really aesthetically beautiful aerial photographic project mm. that really, um, you know, people really, really enjoyed it and it got a lot of media attention. So that gave us some encouragement to then go out and do something again. We went out and did the Great Barrier Reef. We produced a body of work called Black and Blue. When we were planning to go to the Great Barrier Reef, you know, we were really torn because we knew that we wanted we wanted a body of work that was different, significant, and a reason for going there. We didn't want to waste all these resources and time and, you know, you know, even down to, you know, flights and, and um, all these different resources to produce a body of work that was exactly the same as what everyone else had already produced in the same region. Mm. We thought given that the Great Barrier Reef was under threat and we knew it was under threat at that particular time, we were very aware of it. 
So we were very aware that we don't want to go there and just waste all these resources and produce a beautiful, stunning, breathtaking, spectacular, you know, series of blue reefs and blue reefs and spectacular aerial photos from the Great Barrier Reef because we felt for two reasons. One, we felt that was already done. And two, we thought the story of that to produce this really Oh, awe-inspiring version mm. of the Great Barrier Reef was to suggest that everything was okay. To mm. take these incredibly beautiful pictures would be to say, look how beautiful the reef is. Mm. Everyone mm. must be fine. What are they talking about? It's not under yeah. threat. Mm. So it suddenly dawned on us about after three months of thinking that we could combine, you know, in the news was the Adani coal mines at the time. And we, mm. we thought, well, hang on a minute. Let's combine the aerial work of, uh, you know, the, the Great Coal Basin, which is just a couple of hundred k's west of the Great Barrier Reef and actually has an incredible symmetry of shape to the Great Barrier Reef. They're nearly identical. The coal seam and the Great Barrier Reef uh, system are almost identical in shape, which is interesting. So mm. we ended up with this exhibition of the stark, black, dirty, grungy, but very beautiful coal mining images sitting right next to these Azua tropical blue paradise images of the Great Barrier Reef and they really had some incredible contrast between the two of them. Mm -hmm. We didn't put any text really, we didn't preface the exhibition with anything, mm -hmm. we just allowed people to come in and, and form their own questions and um, I, think it, I think it didn't get the attention that our first work did but I think the attention that it did get was really, really important and really significant, I suppose, at the time when it was needed. So that's... Yeah, uh, you even, sorry, Fletch. I was, I was going to say, you, you, you even did a, a TED Talk on that, that uh, body work, didn't you? We did do a TED Talk, yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw that. That was good. It wasn't got, bad. It wasn't you, bad. No, you, guys are, you guys are really... I mean, uh, um, Paul's always great at uh, waxing lyrical, but, uh, yeah, you guys both did really well. And I was going, oh, man, there's... You know, you you obviously had um, done a lot of work on on that presentation because it was um, I thought it was pretty polished and it was very much down the line. You know, the, the theme of, of the TED talks yeah. and how they how they work. So to be honest, I, w I probably panicked a little bit and over polished it, so over rehearsed it. So if mm. anything, I would like to go back and be a little bit off the cuff. But yeah. the pressure of the situation situation really got to me there, and um, I ended yeah. up doing it fairly script like like reading it from the script almost which wasn't perfect but you yeah, know you live, I, and you live and learn yeah yeah but I, I think you know you got the message across really well and uh you know I, I thought you came across as quite uh, quite good both of you so um so you're always critical of your own performances all the time and that's you know so but i think you guys did a great job and, and i love that that whole um project that idea of the black and blue and um you know i, I think um that was something that was really worthy in 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 yeah. in, far of, in 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 regards to projects because you weren't there to sort of push your photography so much. It was more about the the issue, and I think I think that's that's good. And then you talked about authenticity, and I think when you do create images that are authentic and they are, they are about you and your personality, I think people people can see that and they they. They connect with that in a better way, but you know the, you see a lot of these images that are uh, contrived and you know overworked and and they and they they had to to please the masses. I yeah. don't think they get as much respect. Um, so you know I think that what you guys did there was really 
really cool. And and then and all your work, I I like looking at your different stuff. I like the fact that you're trying different things. I think you should do more of that. And um, and it seems like that's that's been your focus for a while now. Um, but that's that's good. That's that's you, and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that's what people want. They they want to they want to get to know someone. I think it's really brave that you talk about your depression and your anxiety mm. because uh, I think more people probably suffer than than they admit to it. Mm. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, um, and so hats off to you, mate, for mm. for all you do. No, good. thanks, mate. I, I think it's uh, I, I can't I can't really talk about my art these days without bringing that up because they're they're intertwined. They are one and the same. It's the same story. So it's all it's all part of what I'm doing. And I think, you know, in the last couple of years, I'm really finding my voice and finding that authenticity. So I think you're going to see, um, you know, a, a much more stronger version of of who I think I am as an artist in the coming 12, 18 months. I think. Mm. Hey guys! Yeah. Uh, by the way, Scott's uh, just left us. He's got that client. So if you're wondering why, um, you know, he's he's not talking. That's the reason why. Now, um, Adam, uh, mate, the other day, randomly, I was watching YouTube and a suggestion came up, and it was um, it was a Metallica documentary on the the making of the um, fade. Uh, what was it? The Black Album or Fade to Black? Christian, you're down with their work. Uh, aren't you? Um, well, yeah, that one that's just got the black cover. Yeah, that's. And- I, mean, I, I like Metallica, but I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a super yeah, fan. yeah. I'm more the- into. Uh, they're a little bit cock rocky for me. I like, you know, I like my metal a bit harder than that. Yeah, you're, you're into the, the hardcore gear. But the, the reason I mention that is um, in this documentary, um, they were writing Enter Sandman, which which I reckon is probably one of the best songs ever. Yeah, love um, it. And what I got out of that is, you know, there's these guys in the studio, the, the relatively normal guys. So if you, you know, if they stepped off stage, they they're pretty they're pretty much just normal blokes. Um, and collectively, they fed off each other. So, um, you know, the bass player, Jason Newstead, like he lifted his game because he was inspired by uh, Kirk Hammett and um, James Hetfield was inspired by Kirk Hammett and, you know, and Jason Newstead lifting their game, So, uh, which inspired Lars. Um, and so they all collectively fed off each other and, and they, they just produced amazing work. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is... Is that a little bit like the Light Collective? Like you'll see guys like Rick doing stuff, and you get some influence off him, and maybe you know, tr- you know, try and lift your game a little bit. And then Rick tries a little bit harder. Is that is that the yeah. thing with the Light Collective? Like you, you find that um, you know, is it is it like that situation? Uh, yeah, absolutely, it is. I mean, you got you got some really talented photographers um, in that group, and we have our own Facebook chat group and this and that. And if I, if I can get a wow or incredible image from those guys, like Mm. they won't beat around the bush. If it's a rubbish image, they'll be like, no, I don't really get that ads. Mm -hmm. Like what's going on with that? I think it was better before, or what's that element? Or, um, it was funny the other day actually though, because I posted, I've created this body of work called my shadow and, um, which we just spoke about. And then what, what I wanted to do was do a collaboration with my little boy, he's only five years old, and, and we took to, I printed out all those images on A2, so they're rather a good size, and we took to it um, just drawing rainbows as you would with a five-year-old. You know, we, we all know what a five-year-old draws a rainbow like, you know, it's pretty random and scattered and this and that, and we drew smiley faces all over another print, and uh, what we end up getting is this body of work, which is really powerful to me personally, and, and I guess that's what it's really all about, but you get, this incredible juxtaposition again, much like black and blue, where you have this dark, heavy image that represents 
all the stress, all the anxiety and all the darkness and loneliness of a mid 40 year old, you know, that suffers anxiety and depression. And then over the top of that, you almost get the complete opposite of, you know, the joy and spontaneity and happiness and uh, carefree nature of a five year old drawing. So mm. it, it created this incredible body of work. And, and I created six or seven images like that with the boys. And I put one of those up and we're so used to critiquing each other. Uh, Luke Austin came on and said, oh, I'm not sure about this or that. And, um, and I, I wasn't meaning to be blunt or anything, but I just, I basically just said back, oh, you know, thanks for that, Luke, but I'm not particularly interested in any critique on this particular body of work because mm. it's, you know, this or that. It's so, yep. yeah, we're straight to the point. Yeah, if the boys put something up, Ignacio just sent me a, a new book of his that he's printing up and he sent me the draft and said, have a look through this ads and let me know, or he sent it to all the boys. Mm. let us know what images could be culled and mm. i 30 seconds later i said mate this one this one this one mm. i don't think are um you know good enough for the book in comparison to the rest of your work mm. yeah. so it's great like that and then as you said yeah ricardo will put up a new image and uh we'll just be like wow and that'll inspire me to try and push boundaries so yeah these guys really inspire me and give me this incredible creative confidence and creative freedom mm. to just do crazy stuff like i'm mm. the, this mild mannered quiet meek social like in a social situation i'm the quiet person in the corner minding my own business mm. yeah. but as an artist i just feel this incredible freedom to just shout at the rooftops or shout off the rooftops mm. everything that i ever you know care about so the environment anxiety depression and and the more i create art the more i it dawns on me that i don't really care what anyone else thinks mm. and mm. But in the same sense, yeah, they push me creatively and I always take it on board and say, okay, guys, maybe I can do this better. And there's mm. been a number of circumstances where mm. I take the image that I thought was finished and then try and rework it based on the what the feedback is and it comes out telling my story even better than what the original did anyway. Do you think you'd be where you're at without the Light Collective? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, we could probably lose Ignacio or... Um, <laughs> <laughs> No, just kidding. In fact, Ignacio is going to be fuming that he's waiting on down the list for his go when he really created the entire Light Collective in the first place. But um, we say we saving the best for last. Saving the best for last, absolutely. <laughs> um, no, I don't think I would be. I mean, they just give me this incredible level of confidence uh, to do whatever it is I want. You know, social media can be a bit of a school of hard knocks a lot of the time and you put an image up and everyone who's got a keyboard can give you their opinion on it. And I Social can take media that. is shit. I'm sorry. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I take that to heart. You know, I think, oh, why don't you love me? Why don't you like me? These kind of feelings. And um, and these boys just say, you know, forget about it. So, you know, if you look at my Instagram and my social media, I haven't posted any of my new work on there for probably eight, nine months now. So, and, and it comes from not really, again, it comes from the same place of not needing that external validation of my work everything that i'm producing at the moment is just for me i share it with the light collective boys and you know they yeah. seem to enjoy it and eventually i'll share it i don't know what capacity whether it'll be exhibition or socially or or how it will be but yeah, yeah. guys i just uh, i posted a photo on our instagram um about 10 minutes ago and because uh, i really wanted to show off adam's shirt actually uh so um, <laughs> so what i've done is uh it's just a shot of us all chatting and that sort of stuff and you know I put down uh, check out Adam's shirt, and um, somebody's responded straight away. And her name is uh, is Tracy Cook Photography, and she commented, "Adam is such fun. His online videos are so cool. He presents really well. Humor, simplicity, humbleness, 
great combination. Mate, the videos, you're getting a massive following. Oh, the YouTube stuff is crazy. We started, as I said, six or seven weeks ago. And because I've got eight or 8,000 students at, um, at my courses at Easy Way Photography, I thought, well, one of the first thoughts I thought, well, you know, what can I do to help these guys get through this period? I knew it was going to be tough. And having anxiety, I was freaking out two weeks, three weeks before anyone else was freaking out, right? I pulled my boy out of school before mm. anyone even thought that was going to be a thing. A lot of people I do. Got my, I got my wife to close her dance school down before anyone was closing anything. Mm. And we spent this one really, really weird week, actually, where... She, you know, she was giving me a really hard time because I'd made her do this really strong decision that she didn't really believe in. And then all of a sudden that weekend they closed everything down and she yeah. was like, wow, what yeah. what foresight. But it was I didn't have foresight. I was just panicked, you know. That's what I tend mm. to do when, when these things happen and I was just kind of freaked out a bit. So that next week or so I started up. We had five people join the live stream and we just kept on going and then today we just had Paul Holland on presenting live and he, he did an incredible presentation mm. and we had 300 and something 330 odd concurrent viewers all at once wow. and uh, about wow, almost amazing. three almost 3000 individual clicks or viewers on the video in the hour so yeah. it's just blowing up at the moment i can't believe it and everyone's enjoying it loving it and i just yeah. get in front of the camera stuff breaks stuff goes wrong this morning my <laughs> webcams both broke before we went on Paul had his. If you know Paul, he's always last to the last one to pack up, last one ready, etc., etc. I love him for it. He balances the light collective out with his sort of uh, spontaneous, spur of the moment kind of attitude. But he had left his um, browser open with the live video playing. So 30 seconds later, we had this audio loop, and I closed <laughs> everything down on my end. I'm like, "What is it, you, Paul?" And he's like, "Oh." I said, close your browser, mate. All of a sudden, it's fixed. So we spent 10 minutes fussing about. But, you yeah. know, it's live. That's the joy of live. Yeah, I think goes yeah, well. one thing I really like about all this Zoom calls and Skype and all these things, that you're getting all these really famous people doing this stuff and you, you feel like you're getting to connect with them, like yeah, you're absolutely. getting to know yeah. them. Yeah. Like I, I love Stephen Colbert. He's one of my favourite um, you know, late late night sort of comedian show type guys and, and he's doing his show from home and, and, and you get a kind of an insight, you know, you, you see his wife and you see his kids every now and then and you see the dog and he's, yeah, you know, yeah. you see his room where he's – and it's kind of cool that you actually – you get to uh, be part of their life because um, when you see them, you know, in their studios or in their um, – theaters or whatever in that professional environment you don't don't you, you wouldn't know who they were you know, they're just completely yeah up there in a different world but when you see them at home you know just in their cities and all that sort of stuff it's really cool so i think yeah this whole connection that we're having with people uh, online is um it's an interesting way to um to get to know people and and i think that's probably what people find with your stuff is that they they get to know, they heard of this Adam Williams, you know, he does this brilliant uh, editing and, you know, he's done some amazing stuff. His images are fantastic. And all of a sudden they're meeting this guy and he's and in his, in his room with cardboard boxes painted with rust. And, and, uh, Which and, looks and awesome, they go, wow, I, I like that guy. He's cool. Mm. And he's, you know, he's, He's just, he's just a, he's just like me, you know, he's, he's no, no different. And he's, you know, he suffers anxiety like I do. And he's, but, you know, he's getting by and he's sharing his experiences. So, you know, people get to know you as a, as a person more. So I think that's that's really cool. I think that's been a great so. thing. COVID COVID nineteen hasn't been a total disaster. Mm. It's been you know um, 
it's a, hopefully it's a different way of look I, I read an article the other day saying that they reckon that the oil and gas industry is no, never going to recover oh, from, well. from what it, what it used to be oh you know, well it's like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> never mind oil well oil well is that what you said <laughs> oh well yeah oil well um, yeah. oil well um and um because we're, we're all used to doing things differently now mm. you know maybe you know we're not going to travel as much in the future maybe we're going to stay local we're going to shop more local we're going to look after our our people in our own little communities instead of worrying about you know getting onto amazon and buying stuff there and hmm. yeah you know we're not going to we're going to enjoy the simple pleasure of just sitting down face to face with friends and and having a coffee or getting on a bike and going for a ride or having a walk with your family I'm, hmm. one thing i've really noticed about covid is that in dunsborough you just you could just see families out together on their bikes you never see hmm. that you know the kids and the mums and dads are all out riding and stuff and you know, none of them are happy, of course. They're all, <laughs> they're all <laughs> kids are bitching about having to be out with the buddy parents. Well, this sucks. This is yeah. boring, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of cool. It's like, oh, okay. So, yeah, there's some, there's some def- definitely some positives that come from this and um, mm. hopefully um, we don't get back to business as usual when we when this is all over. Mate, yeah. what's, what's your take on it, Adam? Where, where's it going to go? Like, um, you know, we can sort of see that now that society is changing and, you know, People are, um, you know, their, their shopping habits are, are different and that sort of stuff. And, mate, where do you see this going? Oh, wow. I don't know, to be honest. That's an interesting question. Um, look, I hope. I, I, My intuition says I'd love, I would love if that romantic vision of Christian Fletcher was to come true. But I just feel like, you know, six, 12 months down the track after the threat's gone away that essentially we're going to go back to the, well, I hope we don't, but I feel like we're probably going to go back to the old habits and the Mm. whatever's easy and, uh, you know, all those desires that we're trying to fulfill all of the time. But I think, I think in a lot of sense, a lot of us, um, you know, we're, we're finding this higher level of compassion. I think a lot of people that have never had anxiety before have now, had a little taste of what it feels like you know for for those of us that suffer anxiety or Mm. or the particular anxiety that i get tends to be i feel like my life's under threat for whatever reason you know Mm. health via heart attack or panic attack or whatever it might be and Mm. i think a lot of other people that maybe have never experienced that before Mm. have have felt what it's like to have their health or their uh, whatnot under threat and feel a high level of anxiety or it might just be feeling anxiety through you know not having a job and wondering how you're going to pay the mortgage Mm -hmm. you know that's another level of anxiety as well but it's all much the same feeling you know Mm -hmm. you lose sleep and it gets worse the next day because you haven't had enough sleep to recharge and then you can't sleep the next night and it just compounds and compounds can i just um can i just add to that uh a good friend of mine is a doctor that works in mental health at uh, one of the public hospitals here in wa um and um he's saying that you know they're seeing uh, you know, roughly a, 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 around the same amount of patients, but they're presenting their symptoms are a lot worse. You know, there's normal people just completely losing it over this. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I was completely freaked out the first two. It's a funny, and I think most people go through a similar cycle. I was completely panicked for about seven to 10 days or something, and then you kind of get used to the new normal, and then you sort of, you know, you eventually get used to your life being slightly changed and slightly different. I certainly, I mean, no, I don't want to continue to live in this fashion without mm. seeing friends and whatnot. But you do, you do kind of get used to it, or at least I've gotten used to it over the last couple of months. And the weird thing will be, when they finally 
ease back the restrictions and we're allowed to go have a barbecue or mm. go and socialize i think that's going to be really really strange like you know mm. being in that situation how yeah. close can you get to people yeah, you know yeah. there's going to be a real sort of reconditioning again socially on that level as well but yeah look i hope i hope we really take this as a way to improve and move forward and um you know maybe value more these these little privileges that we have our freedoms and whatnot but mm-hmm. just not confident that that's going to be the case yeah i don't want things to go back to normal to be honest to be christian's I, loving I, this yeah, you would love it i I, I i love it i you know like i because having a gallery you're committed if the doors are got to be open you've got to you've got all these extra issues to worry about you know cost it costs a lot of money to keep the doors open costs a lot of money to have them shut actually as well and and you know Right now, you know, our loans have been deferred and our staff are, are now will be getting the job job keeper payments. Mm. It's taken all the pressure off. And I was like, wow, you know what? This is kind of must be what semi-retirement feels like because, yeah. uh, you know, I go for a ride on my bike. Uh, yesterday I, I said to Jen, I said, I'm going to go for a ride because it's, you know, I just, I was feeling, I'm, I'm, I'm very much like you, Adam, and I, I have um, fears of, sickness and all that but it's not me that i worry about it's my kids and that all changed in me when my son was born because up until that point i was i didn't give a shit because i was it was me you know if i got sick you know i didn't like the idea of getting sick myself but um but as soon as that little thing came out and that was like my creation i felt this overwhelming power that i i had to look after that Mm. that person and because I was responsible for making them arrive into this world and I don't want to and you know this love that you feel for your kids is just is like a you know so strong so I I, I worry about and I've, I've been you know I've admitted I've been to a psychologist to, to discuss that issue why am I so fearful every time my kid gets a sniffle you know it's like yeah. you know and, and 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 when COVID happened um, it was funny our school's Kids were still going to school at this stage, and I was up at, at Perth. I went and saw um, uh, mate uh, Paul Mayado, who owns Fitzgerald Photo Lab up in Perth. You know, he does does a great job, by the way. Good, well done, Paul. Anyway, yeah. he goes, "Oh, mate," he goes, "Oh, I just heard from the doctors down at Buddy Bunbury that it's COVID is rap- rapid down there, rampant. Sorry, it's uh, it's you know even the doctors are getting it. And oh, of course, wow. my my kids go to school in Bunbury, and and then I came home freaking out, thinking that I've got to get my kids out of school, got to get them out of school." And um, and of course it wasn't the case at all. But Paul had heard it from somewhere. <laughs> mm. But that that anxiety that I felt like, oh shit, I got to get my kids out of the school. Mm. Um, and um, luckily, yeah, the, the, they had a couple of days, and then then the schools were shut. So yeah, um, yeah, I didn't have to worry about it. And I felt such relief when they were at home because I could I knew where they were. I could keep them safe, you know. But when they're outside of this, my control. Then I get anxiety, so I, I can understand yeah. that that feeling. And um, like you said, we all we all feel this 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 anxiety in different ways mm. for different reasons. But um, that's my big one. It's just my kids getting sick, mm. you know. And I have to I have to keep checking on them, and I have to ask them, "Are you okay? Are you feeling better?" And if they say, "Yeah, I'm feeling a bit better," I feel better, you know. I was like, "Oh, whew, yeah, okay, oh, okay." No, they no, got no. a cold, but they're not going to die from this cold, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is totally unrealistic. It's totally overblown and of course my wife is completely opposite she she doesn't care about she she's so brave and so 
she she has um, a, a rosier picture, I guess. Yeah. She doesn't let those things stress her and worry her because she knows it's just a cold. She's going the kids are going to get better. But I'm like, <gasps> but what if this cold turns into pneumonia and, and what you know? Yeah. She, they they may end up in a drip in the hospital or I don't know. So uh, yeah, guys, can crazy. I can I just ask you this? Um, I'm I'm like Adam a little bit as well. Like we, you know, we we saw this coming, you know, sort of way back in in December, and uh, mm-hmm. I remember saying to people, um, you know, um, on Australia Day, like this might be one of the last Australia Days that is like this, um, and they just looked at me like I was some sort of idiot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, I I sort of think I was really really worried about it. Um, and I just sort of think if I knew what I knew now, then I probably wouldn't have been as worried. Guys, what yeah. do you reckon? Do you reckon it's as bad as we thought it was going to be? Uh, oh, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard For, question. In, in Australia, I no, mean, obviously not. Um, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm glad it's not as bad as, as it could have been. Mm. Um, I my, my biggest concern was my parents that was uh, i didn't want them to get it Mm. so that's that was my biggest concern um but um look i think it's probably i don't know it's such a hard one we spoke to peter eastway peter eastway's had covid19 so just just a warning to all the listeners out there please don't go anywhere near peter (laughs) because you know it's been a couple of weeks but you know pete he he likes to keep things going for a long time so he milks it um, but he said he said mate i had a i had a headache for two hours and that was it Really? Wow. Uh, yeah, and he thought it was all pretty well over, overblown a little bit. And, um, you know, going by what they're saying with how many people have got it that don't know they got it and they haven't been tested, I mean, mm. the, the numbers could be, you know, massive. So the mortality is so much lower. But saying that, if you're an old person, you've got a bloody mm. good chance of dying from it. So, mm. you know, even though it's wrecking economies and it's doing all that, I mean, how much emphasis do you put on the, the health and well welfare of your parents yeah. and uh, that's what it comes down to for me it's like uh, well look if we can do something to stop it now i don't give a shit about the money i don't care how much it costs mm. my kids down the track you know we, we all have to pay a, some sort of levy to pay for all this it's so be it i mean that's what that's what communities are all about and mm. that's what we should be it's about looking after the and in places like Italy, they look after the old people. They all live together, and mm. you know, we, you know, our parents have got to be looked after because we're going to be we're going to be old farts one day. Mm. You know, yeah. and, you know, it would be terrible if, you, if your kids turned around and said, you know what, sorry, mum and dad, but your time's up. You know, we're we're not going to do anything. We we're not going to, you know, we're not going to miss out on our TikToks and our bloody whatever's Snapchats for you old farts. Mm. You know, yeah. you're, you're out. So yeah. it'd be nice to think that you're looked after like that, but. What do you reckon, Adam? What's what do you reckon? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like Australia's done a particularly good job when you compare it to some of the other hot spots mm. around the world, which is a great thing. I mean, it's time will tell. As Christian said, are the numbers of people that have caught it uh, much much higher, meaning that the you know the mortality rate is much much lower than yeah, absolutely, maybe, but it, it definitely seemed like it presented a danger in the fact that it was so many people were getting it and Mm. presenting it the emergency the sort of you know the er all at the same time and Mm. and they were having trouble in certain countries not so much in australia but having trouble sort of keeping up and giving everyone adequate care Mm. Mm. um so I'm, i'm very happy that australia moved when they did they moved early and um for whatever reason it seems like they've done the right thing it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. I mean, I'm sitting here. My wife's dance studio is still closed, and we're wondering when that's going to reopen. And 
And then I'm wondering what sort of anxiety that's going to create for me personally and the family when, you know, she has personal close contact with a hundred different dancers Mm, each week. So that'll be interesting Mm, as well. mm. But I don't know. The thing I found really interesting was my parents, who I was also didn't want them to get it, rather concerned about them. Uh, They're sort of mid-60s, 70s. Mm. And um, they seem to be just, they, they couldn't give two hoots. They're just going yeah. down the shops and buying the bread. Yeah. Yeah, and they don't care. Pizzas. And I'm like, you've got to <laughs> We're the ones stressing like, out. What are you doing? I'm here locking myself inside and, yeah. and don't really yeah. pose much health threat to myself with any luck. And they're out, you know, sort of, well, for at least the first two or three weeks. Playing they're bowls. just out living life and yeah. Yeah, having a good time. Yeah, bloody boomers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mate, yeah. Um, where, where to from here photographically? Uh, mate, um, I want to finish this series of work, the My Shadow series. It's incomplete at the moment. Um, so I want to see that to the end. I don't know what the end looks like for that just yet. I don't know if I'll do an exhibition. I would like to, um, but we'll see how that goes. I would love the, the coastline up here at Crescent Head is really, really dramatic. Mm. And I, I really have an affinity with the old romantic landscape painters from back in the 1800s, let's say. And I would love, I mean, that's one of my styles that I really enjoy is that romantic, dramatic light and big smashing waves on the rocks. Um, So I'd love to do a body of work that, you know, pays homage to those romantic landscape painters in this Mm. local um, Mm. present head locality here. Mm, So mm. keep your eye out for that. That, Mm. You know, that's probably going to be in the next 18 months, two years. You can't wait. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, what about an Adam Williams Gallery in Crescent Head there, mate? Beautiful little town. Yeah. Look, it you know. sets itself up nicely for a gallery like yours does, does I think, in Dunsborough. But, um, look, I think I think for me it would just be it would be too much work. Mm. Uh, it would be another side project, not necessarily. Yeah. Look, if I could, when I produce this romantic, dramatic body of work, I could maybe get a small space with four or five, six pieces in there and, mm. and sell a more unique look at Crescent Head, but I don't think, I certainly don't want to produce a, you know, a glossy version, you know, postcard version of Crescent Head just to yeah. just to make extra money on the side. That's not for me at this point. Yeah, Do you know what? Yeah. I, I reckon the like collective um, collective should just open one gallery. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then you, then you don't have to worry about, um, you know, bearing all the costs. It's not a bad idea. I mean, it's a very good idea, in fact. But the fun, I mean, the funny thing is, when we start, we started this around 2013-14, and all of us seem to have plenty of time on our hands. And in the last five or six years, like to get us yeah. guys to do anything together, mm. even a Skype yeah. call together, is virtually impossible. So, you know, I I can't squeeze anything in sideways as far as any other projects. Ignacio is the same. Paul's the same. Luke's got his yeah. family and business, and Ricardo's got a job with the rspca and mm. plus he's you know he, he struggles to find time artistically as well so but if we had yeah. a manager so they yeah. could curate it and do everything for us mm. then yeah. absolutely it would be a good idea but as far as us actually committing to anything it's probably unlikely yes it's so funny because that's exactly the same with us in nd5 you know we 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 for some reason we seem to have all this time in the early days to create these projects and we did you know multiple trips together but now it's the same it's like uh, you know, we've got something penciled in for September or I think or October this year, but but you know we don't even know if the if the states are going to be open yet, mm. so we may not be able to do anything. So, mm. but yeah, isn't that weird that you kind of get busy? Yeah, life gets in the way of good times sometimes, and um, yeah. I don't know how I don't know how we found the time before 
to do what we did. But um, yeah, it's a it's a changing world, that's for sure. Hey mate, um, so where can people find out about uh, more about you and your work and your training and stuff? Is it to your website? Yeah, so my portfolio. If they're interested in the those bodies of work that we've mentioned throughout today, look up www.australianphotographer.com and then my education site is the www.easywayphotography.com.au and the last one which everyone's enjoying at the moment is my morning live YouTube show which is 10am Sydney time um, you'll find that on YouTube under Adam Williams Creative Okay. What sort of Fantastic. what sort of stuff do you do? Because uh, I haven't I haven't seen the uh, the the channel yet. Oh, don't worry, I will check it out. What, what 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 sort of stuff do you do on it? Can can Are me we... and Fletch be on it doing something? Yeah, I want to bring Fletch on. <laughs> Fletch has already said that he's keen to come on, so I'll hold him to that. He'll be on in the next couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, um, looking forward to that. Absolutely, looking forward to having you on there. Other than that, I generally do one or two um, guests a week, photography guests. Mm. Um, We've got, well, we've got Fletch coming up. We had Paul Holland today and a lot of other photographers lined up. Other than that, I do a lot of Photoshop stuff. So I really love Photoshop and mm. creating fantasy stories and fantasy images. So composite work and we did a romantic styling one. And it's really, it's really quite interesting because I just bring up a raw file that I've never edited before and then I just wing it and see what happens. Mm. And yeah. most of the time it works pretty well and that's kind of the tension, I guess, that people are enjoying, that it could be an absolute train wreck and disaster as they're watching along. It's and a couple cool. have been. But a lot of them have turned out surprisingly well. Like I even surprise mm. myself and think, I kind of I kind of play it down on air, so it looks like I do it all the time, but I'm kind of like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. that was good. That happened, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll have to get um, Carwin to send in one of his fantasy photos. You know, he's got some pretty strange fantasies, though. So, oh, you, I bet, yeah. Yeah, you might have to be good with skin, t- good with skin tones, I think, with his photos. I'll tell you what, I took, I took this uh, cracker the other day of, just of, of my car keys, just the way the, the oh, light was hitting it through, through the kitchen window. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah right. I'll send yeah, it to you. Isolation well, photography, yeah. absolutely. Well, that Lamborghini badge is so pretty, though. Why wouldn't you photograph it, Carwin? <laughs> <laughs> I do not drive a Lamborghini. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? Uh, I don't know. Not that you could go and drive it at the moment. But, you know. oh, no. Yeah. Well, no. the fuel's cheap, isn't it? Has the prices come down or not? I haven't checked. Yeah, how much, is fuel? how much is fuel in, in New oh, South? It's, about, it's under a dollar over here. Yeah, 97, 100? 98 cents. Really? For, for unleaded, yeah. Diesel's a bit over a dollar, but unleaded's under a buck. It is 84 yeah. cents a litre in Perth today. Is it? Oh, there cents. you go. Yeah. It's probably still a dollar sixty down in Dunsborough. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's more expensive <laughs> at Crescent Ed too, probably. But mm. um, yeah, wow, eighty cents—that's just craziness. Oh is. well, hopefully we can uh, just get a get more cheap electric cars out. As soon mm. as China starts put bringing all theirs out, we'll we'll be right. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And we can just say goodbye to oil and gas altogether. Thank you very much. Well, hopefully that's uh, one of the pluses of this whole event is maybe um, people are transitioning more so away from oil and yeah. gas. That'd be nice. Actually, yeah. Fletch, uh, you know, we've got to let you go soon, Adam. But, uh, mate, just, just on the electric car thing, um, mm-hmm. Fletch, you drive an electric car, okay? Yeah. You've got a, um, a solar uh, plant at your house, for want yep. of a better expression. <laughs> and, and yes, solar Mate, when's the last time you went to the servo? Uh, actually, just the other day because um, <laughs> we bought a uh, an old two thousand dollar banger for my for our son. Uh, it's a we wanted him to learn on a because he's just learning to drive, so we wanted him to learn on a manual. So I got this old Subaru Liberty, 
and um, nice. yeah, I took that down um, and filled it up. But yeah, look, you know, with the electric car, obviously um, you don't need to go to the service station. The service station's at home. You just sun shining. You plug in. You know, I make more electricity than than the car takes to charge during the day, and and um, just work. just burn burn sunbeams. You know, you just like, and mate, I tell you, I mean, my driveway is it's about about 100 meters long because we've got a bush block. And I can I can get down there so fast. It's got some balls. It's like yeah, it's like um, it's like you know when the Millennium Falcon goes into hyperspace. <laughs> it's, it's it's like that. Trees flashing past. Yeah, Mate, I've told you a thousand times before. Stop exaggerating. <laughs> no, it's the truth. Actually, whenever I take someone for a drive in that car, if we come out of my driveway, I just floor it down there. And because it's such a small space, mm. and the trees are down quite close to the side, people freak out. You see them. They're, they're, they put their foot down on the on the, on the, front on the, of the car, trying to on the head, just break, break, break. And because it's your driveway, it's not actually uh, speeding yeah, in case there's any constabularies and listening. Yeah. Exactly, mate. Well, why yeah. why aren't we driving electric cars? Seriously, because they're overpriced, pretty much. And I mean, I, I bought that car because it was a it was overpriced still, but it was a, a midlife crisis. So I said to my wife, "It's either a hot blonde or a hot." Uh, electric car. <laughs> no, I didn't tell her that at all. I just said I love this car. Well, yeah, you have now, goes, Fletch. It's on goes, the podcast. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Fortunately, yeah. she doesn't listen. She said to me, "Don't you, don't you buy that car?" I said, "No, no. I'm just going up to speak to the dealer, see what sort of prices they are and stuff." And the next minute, it's like, "Ah, oh, honey, um, <laughs> <laughs> may have bought this car, <laughs> but she loves it now, and she calls it her car now. But we've oh. had it for four years. Um, at, like, what was it?" It's got a range extender, so it does have a little petrol motor. But I spent four hundred dollars in fuel on the first year that I had it. Mm. Wow! Um, and normally I'd spend that in a month uh, when I had my Land Cruiser. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been awesome. But you know, right. it'll happen. It'll come around. We maybe, like you said, you know, with all this, uh, you know, even better, just get yourself an e-bike and just ride drive yeah. that everywhere. What, what's yeah. that like? Because you've got one of those two that pretty um, much does the speed limit. Two, like, yeah. What's it like? Yeah, but yeah, no, uh, it's freaking awesome. It's a league. I just, I just uh, bought myself a fat bike. You know the ones with the big fat five-inch tires. Yeah, drive, yeah. Ride it on the beach. You've got yes. one of those, haven't you, Fletch? Fat yeah, bike. Yeah, well, mine's a mine's a fat bike, but it's an electric fat bike. It's got a oh, thousand, nice. thousand watt motor on it. So if you want to go ride on the beach, <laughs> so I I can do. I've done on the softest sand. I've managed to get to forty k's an hour. Uh, on the softest sand. Mine's the, the opposite. Mine's the opposite. If I if I'm going into the wind on the beach. Yeah. People yeah. will overtake me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, get a, get this electric motor on it, and you will, you, yeah, you'll love it. It's a, I, I ride it all the time. You know, if I can use that to to get to work, I will. If it's not raining. And, so, and, um, and just in case you, um, you know, it might have popped into your mind that Christian Fletcher is is slack getting around an electric bike. Uh, I do have a message here from you, Fletcher, from a couple of days ago. Uh, mate, off to bed. I'm buggered. I rode 97 k's today. Wow, yeah. on a yeah, real that's bike. That's just a standard ride, standard ride. So you just, just down yeah. the shops for milk, mate. Yeah, I'm a lycra boy. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a friggin' uh, mammal, and uh, I just. Um, what did they love... say? What do they say? No, no lycra, no biker. Oh, really? Is that they? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm at the age that you guys haven't got there yet. So, you know, you where you you don't care what people think of you, and um, like my mate said, he says when you're all on your racing bike and you've got your lycra on and you're all kitted up and you're, you're flying along the street, 
you're a hero. But as soon as you get off the bike at the coffee shop, you're a zero because everyone just looks at you, oh, and you clip, 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 clip into the around, coffee shop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mate, it's the tight pants. Seriously, that's just yeah. the, the, too much well, curvature just, going on you there. You just put a, put a pair of socks down the front and, you Jesus. know, well, you go. Good. Happy days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's no, too confronting. They, they can be pretty awful. You you know, but you see the guys in the tour and they look awesome because they're, they're slim and well, they're athletes, you know, they just, Fletch. yeah, and all their kits, the best you can afford. And, you know, yeah, it's just like, it's like any scene, but it's a great way to keep fit. And, uh, I, I just knocked out 60 Ks yesterday and then I did 45 this morning. So it's not a bad oh. week so far. Man. Getting Incredible. there. I, I bought yeah. the rubbish bins in. Yeah. Uh, did you? Yeah. I'm lucky to do like a 10, 20 minute walk, and that's about me a day. Yeah, yeah, well, that's you know that's okay. But um, well, that you haven't got to the age yet where where everything starts heading south, so you've you've got to do more exercise. <laughs> yeah, your metabolism is probably still pretty good, but mine slowed right down. So yeah, time to work out. But anyway, that's uh, that's that's um, for another conversation. We'll have a conversation about um, you know tight fitting clothing. In the next oh, next time we chat. Oh, I pencil mean, me in for that. That'll, that'll yeah, be awesome. Well, we could do like we could swing the cameras around and do full frontal cameras. That'd be interesting. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. great. Please no. Please no. Can, can we ask Ken Duncan to come on if we're going to do that? Oh, yeah. Ken and like imagine that. That'd the be... big reveal. The big yeah. reveal. Yep. Ooh. I mean, on that. Oh, stop. On that. On that, well, not necessarily on that, actually, though, but on the previous conversation. I mean, that's, that's uh, I'm gonna, well, I was going to say that's a dream of mine, but I need to con- put some context. <laughs> Jeez, Ken, context. hope you're not listening, mate. <laughs> uh, a dream, like, I'd love to have a, you know, a, a nice big block of land and be fully sustainable, you know, with the solar power and the batteries and the electric yeah. car and grow the grow my own veggies. Absolutely. And there's in, these incredible things called natural pools where you basically dig a hole in your backyard mm. And you use, um, you know, the natural plant life and water lilies to filter it all out. So no yeah. chlorine, it just looks after itself and so, have this oasis in your backyard. So you, you actually, you dig it out and it just, you just let nature pretty much take its course. There's a little bit more planting that goes into it. Like you, you got to build a bit of a, a natural, reta- a bit of a retaining wall of rocks or bricks or something in the middle to sort mm. of um, maintain the main depth of the main pool. Mm. And then you have a shallow area that surrounds, and the shallow area, well, from my limited knowledge, might be, you know, half a meter deep up mm. to, you know, lapping on the shoreline. And that shallow area absorbs the heat from the sun, mm. and then that basically feeds the plants, mm. and then the plants clean the water out of the you know they filtrate the water through them so you just have basically a few really really tiny bubble pumps much like you'd see in your home goldfish bowl yeah right and that just circulates the water around through the pools a little bit and that my limited knowledge stops about there but it Mm -hmm. looks incredible imagine swimming in a pool that you can drink the water out of afterwards basically you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so natural so beautiful show some um some hops in there and a you know (laughs) beery yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds yeah. even better, mate. Yeah, you might. Yeah. Work. God. yeah. Well, um, yeah, we've got a copper filtration system in our pool, okay. so it's it's kind of the that that's the kind of the, the least sort of chemical cleaner sort of. Um, and when you go in our pool, it doesn't there's no chlorine smell, there's nothing like that, and yeah. it's almost like having a bath because the water is is quite it's pretty fresh. Is so, that is that expensive to set up? No, Would I be, think it's the it? same as all the. I think it's the same as all the other pools. It's just a yeah, different right. technology, mm. um, and you just put still put some chemicals and stuff in. Don't know what they are, but mm. you know, two, four, five, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
roundup. It's got roundup round side on it. Yeah, I don't, yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't know. Your, your kids, know. your kids have turned green. Yeah, actually, that's probably why the that's probably why the pool is green at the moment because we've put too much roundup in it. Anyway, oh well, that's, that's another story. Um, yeah, look, mate. Hey. Hey Adam, thank you for coming on and uh, tell Ignacio we're we're, we're going to be gunning for him. Oh, I'll give um, him a few more weeks to stew on it, and then uh, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. yeah we'll get him on because uh, the biggest problem is I'm not I'm not sure whether we need subtitles for for when we put him up or not. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, he talks quite fast. You know, yeah. I might have I might have to watch uh, Nadal for a little bit so I can yeah. kind of get, to, get to understand Ignacio a bit more. So no, he's pretty good. He's mostly understandable but um you know oh, he's good fun he'll enjoy it uh, yeah he so will give him a couple of weeks i'll tell him that he said um oh no we were thinking that maybe ignacio we didn't need him on because we had the other three from the light collective yeah yeah we've done that <laughs> yeah you know we've, we've definitely had enough so because he'll tell me that he listened to this right the way through but he'll really just listen to the first five minutes so <laughs> yeah, when that's I, right. he won't have any clue <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> Uh, poor Ignacio. Yeah, does he get all the jokes in the group? Does he? Does everyone kind of pay out on him a bit? Oh, to be honest, he starts most of the jokes in the uh, group. Does he? Uh, he's the fun. He's the him and Luke are the jokers, and Rick actually are the jokers. I'm a, I'm yeah. overly serious most of the time. So oh, yeah. I, you <laughs> guys have a dynamic like that in MD5. You got a serious. Oh, one. Every, oh, Les is the serious one. Who, who, yeah. The, you know, yeah. In the Light <laughs> Collective, who who is your Sir Peter Eastway in the Light Collective? Oh, that'd have to be you, Adam. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Do well, they make I jokes don't... about the back of your head, or? Uh, well, no. <laughs> no yeah, I've got a bit of a mullet. I got the yeah, mullet does too. going on. I got the uh, right. ISO mullet going on at the moment. But uh, uh, Peter Eastway, yeah, I suppose. I, I mean, I as far as the Photoshop side of things, maybe, but I probably take on a bit more of the serious attitude and and whatnot, like Les does. I mean, mm. in conversation, everyone has a bit of a lend of me, you know, because I'm the gullible one that kind of thinks everything mm. is a serious conversation. Mm. Peter Eastway. <laughs> When Peter Eastway does a workshop or comes and presents with me or something or whatever it happens to be, um, he's always having a lend to me and I'm thinking, I look at him straight in the eye, I think he's serious and he's just shaking his head going, you're too easy, mate, you're too easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, I, did I tell you that, that uh, the story he told me? I, I spoke to him when he just got off the boat of the Greg Mortimer and I said, he said, I said, did you get COVID? And he goes, yeah, I got COVID. I said, oh, man, what was it like? He goes, mate. We were, I was on oxygen for three days, <laughs> you know. So, and then he goes, you know, and the worst thing about that was that we had there was only one bottle, there was only one oxygen bottle on the whole boat, and one mask. So he said we had to get in line, we had to line up and go down and walk down to the end of the line, get a couple of puffs of oxygen, and then go around to the back and then start again. <laughs> and I tell you I, what, and I thought he was serious, and he got oh. me going. And then he goes, oh, but then there was these um, these. Tell you what, these bloody big fat American ladies kept pushing in. Or called, or called Karen. <laughs> and that's what I knew he was. That I knew he was joking. Oh, he had two weeks to think of that joke. He's done pretty <laughs> yeah. well, though, mind you. It was a pretty yeah. good one. I tell you what, yeah. he, he loved COVID nineteen. We we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, and um, my I asked him three times, Peter, did you get COVID nineteen? And he just dragged <laughs> it out and dragged it out and dragged it out. <laughs> did you get COVID nineteen? Yes. It's, he just uh, you know he enjoyed that moment in the spotlight. Oh, classic, classic. He realised everyone loved him, so it was good for his ego. Yeah, we were, we were all a little bit worried and concerned about the situation he got himself into over there, but good to hear that he's back and, and healthy. And Yeah, yeah, it's always good to have Peter around. He's a funny guy. He's, mm. um, he is a laugh, yeah. yeah him and Ricardo were funny together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine them, yeah. Yeah, bouncing off each other. Yeah, funny. Actually, the last memory I have of Rick was when we he came and did a workshop with us, me and Nick Rains and Buggy yeah. Bay, and uh, 
he was sleeping in his car in the car park at the resort where we yeah, were doing right. the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just, just we, we were walking down to start a presentation, I think, and some this the side of the car opened up and this body kind of fell out, rolled out with half empty can of baked beans and a, a couple of blankets, and we go, oh, oh, Rick, oh, Rick what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're sleeping in the car. There so, you go, save a yeah. few bucks and spend yeah. money on the good stuff. Yeah, well, I, I don't know how much is good. Probably Got a bit of a waste of money. It was a waste of money <laughs> for him because he he knew so much already. He was such a he was a talent already when he came to see us, you know. So oh. it was um, he's a good bloke. I like Rick. He's, he would have got a lot out of it for sure. Guys, we're going to have yeah. to uh, wrap it up. Um, any any final thoughts for people? You know, sort of doing it tough at the moment, Adam. Um, yeah, I think I, just from my own experience, and that's where I can just really only speak for, from. If you're doing it tough with the anxiety of the situation, or you know the paying of the bills, and and look, I can't understand all those scenarios uh, that you might be going through. But if you are going through something, I, what I would say was is you know it is going to turn around. Like just just have some confidence and know and, and talk to the people in your family if you can. If you can't talk to people in your family, get on the phone and, and call a friend. But mm. look. You might feel really panicked and a bit um, like there's no solution right at this second, but I absolutely guarantee just stick it out for another week or two and I'm sure things, opportunities will pop up and, and things will change and the, the skies are going to clear for those brighter days and, mm. you know, things will get back to normal. And I'm sure you're going, if, you've, if you're looking for work, I'm sure that's going to pop up and, yeah, I, the brighter days are coming definitely for those Wise that are words. feeling tough at the moment, yeah. Good stuff. Thanks, mate. Thank you for the chat. Great to see you. Uh, love the shirt, by the way. Uh, I do have a very – I got my own Ken Duncan shirt too. That's um, wow. and the, that's the only reason I don't wear it anymore because someone said, oh, that's a Ken Duncan shirt. And I went, oh, really? <laughs> I, I expect you to be wearing it on the YouTube show in a couple of weeks. Christian oh, okay. Hey, do there. it. Well, I think you're wearing yours. You wear that one. I wear mine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, my wife hates those shirts. That, you know, I got three of them. They're all a bit florally like that. Yeah. yeah, she hates it, so I'll, I'll definitely wear it. Sounds good. Chuck it on. Perfect. Thanks for having me, guys. Right. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Yeah, Adam. no worries, mate. Anytime. And thanks, Carwin. We'll catch you boys soon. Thank you.